I'm good. I've got my knitting ready because I'm still knitting Christmas presents. A Christmas <laughs> present, so <laughs> this is valuable knitting time. Welcome back to Manga in Your Ears. My name is Corey. Helen and April are with me. Hi, everybody. Heyo. And we are back to talk about uh, our favorite manga that we read in 2020. Um, I can sign your reminder in the game. I probably should have, but this can be anything that we read in 2020. It does not necessarily have to have been read or have to have been released in 2020. Um, but let's just uh, start things off. Uh, Helen, what do you have for number three? All right. For my number three... Uh, we actually had a lot of like LGBT manga come out this year, a lot of good stuff. So I think my favorite out of all of those, or at least the one that's the favorite in my mind right now, is Blue Flag by Kaito. Um, I've been really enjoying this. Like I swear, every single volume I read it, and I feel like I've been both punched in the heart and like I immediately want more, <laughs> which is a very potent combination. I continue to be amazed that um, he's pretty. I think Kaito's a he, they, um, have managed to produce such a nuanced work so soon after their previous series published in English, Cross Manage, which was a very comedic slapstick over-the-top sports manga, which didn't have a lot of depth or subtlety in any sense whatsoever, <laughs> but Blue Flag really does, uh, though visually... I've noticed that they've got a little trick where they'll start drawing everything like extra realistically for a serious moment, um, and just emotionally as well. Like in the fifth volume, which I think it came out like yesterday as we're recording this. Oh gosh! Like one of the characters just had like a really in-depth, kind of heart-bearing moment where she's talking about how she hates that you know whenever she becomes friends of a guy, people automatically think that she's going to steal them away. Which sounds really trite when I say it like that, but in the story, it comes off really emotionally, and you really feel for her. And this is a character who's been previously a side character, but Kaito was able to get me to care about that character just incredibly quickly through their story. So, I keep seeing people say online, oh, I heard this doesn't treat its queer characters well by the end of the manga, but I'm hearing this, like, third hand from everybody. I haven't heard this from anybody who's actually read the damn thing yet when it was being serialized on Manga Plus. So I am crossing my fingers that the last three volumes don't majorly, like, trip over themselves and fuck up. So, you know, <laughs> blue flag, good so far. Kaito, I swear to God, you better keep it good, you know. Um, definitely one of my favorite reads from this past year. So there are eight volumes total. Or there will be. Yes. Yeah, five are out now, and it's going to be eight volumes since it's already completed in Japan. Okay. Yeah, I was really surprised by by Blue Flag, especially the uh, tonal and plot shift compared to Cross Manage. Like, there's no indication in Cross Manage that Kaito would be capable of writing a story as... Uh, I've only read the first volume, but like as nuanced as Blue Flag was in that volume. Yeah, I think... They may have done, like, one or two short things in between, but not many. These two were pretty chronologically close together in their career. Also, I, I will say it is still a crime that we don't have a 
print version of Cross Manit here in the U.S. because I would like mm-hmm. my girls lacrosse team manga to have a print version of it instead of yeah. nebulously existing on the Shonen Jump app for as long as they want to keep it up there. Yeah, yeah I loved Blue Flag, and I, I, I debated putting it on my list today, but that that is a really good one. And I didn't, like, I'm kind of like you all, where I didn't expect the nuance that we got from that. Man, now I'm like, should I put it on my list? But yeah, I, I, I really like that. I remember last year, April, and I had very similar lists, so I would not be surprised if the three of us had very similar lists again this year. Although, Corey, I was looking at your spreadsheet of our choices over the past few years, and it's like April and I usually have very similar lists, and then you're just out there with like three also good but completely <laughs> different choices than the rest of us. Next. What I do, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, three, blue flag, April, uh, number three. I guess I wouldn't say this is in any particular order, but the first thing I think of is BL Metamorphosis by Kaori Surutani. Um, I think I only heard about this one through you all, so I picked it up for the podcast, and it's definitely one of my favorites. I don't, I don't even think I would rank it the third, probably higher than that. Um, I just really like sort of the intergenerational friendship that's a part of this story about um, – I wouldn't say maybe two particular lonely people, but just two people sort of coming together over a shared hobby. And I've only read maybe a volume or so of it so far, but I just really like um, seeing those two people come together in that series. And I like, I guess, that the the older woman seems like she has, even though she's lost a partner, she still seems to have like a very full life with a job or or something similar um, and hobbies and things like that. I think I felt like it was kind of like, almost reversed that the younger character was the one that seemed like they were particularly uh, lonely or by themselves and the older character sort of had a pretty robust life but I just I like really enjoyed this one I enjoyed like the the memories that she had from like her husband sort of like how they showed a lot of the older characters view of life and how they got around and sort of how things were exciting when they were young and how they're still exciting now. I like I really <laughs> I could just go on forever. I really, really like enjoyed this one. And I've only read like a volume and it's definitely one of my favorites for the year. And I see that the third volume is actually due out in about a week. So we'll have another Yeah, I was thinking that the third one was due out soon unless mm-hmm. it had hit a delay, since I know a lot of manga have been getting delayed recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I read the first two volumes And like April said, it's just a really charming relationship between this 17-year-old and, uh, I think the older lady's about 80 or so? I think Um, so. She's real-life goals. Like, when I'm 80, I want to still be, you know, (laughs) cheerful, reading my manga, you know, experiencing new things. You know, that is a life goal. Especially some for smaller moments like, oh, this manga only comes out one volume a year, which means I only have five more volumes left. I need to just live till I'm 90. Just need to live longer. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was a really charming series. I totally forgot about it until you mentioned it, since we have a lot of really good series this year. But yeah, that is that was definitely one of the gems of this past year. Yeah, I also completely forgot about this series, but I'm glad you mentioned it, because I, I really liked it when I was reading it, and I, got, I have no idea how I forgot about this, because I was also really anticipating it coming out, like when Seven Seas announced it, and uh, just from the back of the book description uh as as it were uh sounded really interesting then once you finally read it it was like incredibly charming and i i just loved it uh how did i not remember this we read it so long ago five years ago 
<laughs> so I, yeah, I that was the thing that made this preview hard. of what is not going to be on Corey's of my list. <laughs> <laughs> You've given it away. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's my first one. I don't. I wouldn't rank it third, but that's at least the first one I wanted to talk right. about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't we don't have to have a ranking. <laughs> uh, I'll continue saying it. Uh, yeah, Biomagamorphosis first first matching manga. Uh, on to my number three. Um, this may be a surprise to both of you, given uh, what we talked about on the podcast. My number three is actually Bleach. Oh my god, it's gonna be Bleach. It is Bleach. it's not April first, please. <laughs> I talk about this uh, very minimally, but uh, <laughs> I like revisiting something like Bleach, which is one of the things that really got me into anime in uh, later high school and college. Was just uh, this huge nostalgia hit for me, and like watching or reading, uh, remembering watching it while reading it um, was just incredibly enjoyable. Even though that Bleach like doesn't doesn't really make that much sense when when you when you think about it as we mentioned on the on the podcast but uh just the, this kind of uh adventure shonen is very um appealing to me because it, it just brings me back to the the first things that got me into anime like Yu Yu Hakusho and Dragon Ball were the first big things where I was like, well, this this uh this this cartoon is really cool, even though I had no idea it was anime at the time. Um, but yeah, and like Kubo's art is is very very good, as we've said. Uh, so it, it made it easy to read 220 whatever chapters that I read, which I was very surprised by. But like once I started reading, I just couldn't put it down. So I had to mention it again. Corey, I feel like I need to just look at you differently now. I mean, at least it wasn't Burn the Witch, but... <laughs> yeah! <laughs> so are you going to keep reading it now, since it is all on the Shonen Jump app, and you have, like, 300 chapters left? 400, I think, and I, th- I think I will. Uh, we're, we have been quarantining for the last two weeks, so we can go see Gaina's mom. And while we go see Gaina's mom, they're going to be watching Great British Breaking Show, and I will be reading... Uh, everything in the Jump app as I catch up on all of my weekly series that I haven't rigged since, like, I think last January for some of them. Um, Are you telling me you've not been keeping up with Spy X Family? I have not. Oh my god, Corey! I know. If you weren't the editor for this podcast, I'd be booting you off right now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, editor and keep recording all versions and ends of this podcast. True. <laughs> uh, but yeah, a- after I catch up with everything, I may... I may go back to Bleach. I may also read more of Jujutsu Kaisen, which I have not read since that podcast either. So I guess this is what you're going to be doing instead of watching The Great British Bake Off. Okay then, Corey. Yep. Uh, sorry, I cannot resist. I I really like Bleach, I think. Uh, but shall we move on? Um, April, what is your next manga? Um, I can't remember if I read it this year. I think I did, because we talked about it. So I can't remember if that's the first time that I read it, but it would be Rose of Versailles. Um, I waited a long time for that to come out. I remember when it was initially licensed, I remember talking about it online, and that's been several years. So um, I really like the anime. It's one of my favorites, and I waited a long time for this series to come out, and the 
the books themselves are really beautiful. Um, I just really enjoy like the drama of the series, the characters, um, and the manga really didn't disappoint me in any way. I just I'm really excited to have those on my shelf um, because it was a very very long wait. So it's but it's been such a long year that I can't remember if the first time I read it was this year. I think so. <laughs> so that's, that's well, the first second. volume came out this January. So. Okay, then yeah, it would be this year. <laughs> I mean, like, they were printed before that, because I know uh, the original release date of the first volume was supposed to be last December, so right, that's when I right. got my review copy, but it actually got bumped to January, so. Yeah. so I've got, I think I've got three of them on my shelf, and they all just look great, and I just love them a lot, so <laughs> that's my number two. Yeah, I think Rose of Size is definitely one of my honorable mentions for the year. I've read the first two volumes, and I've got the third waiting for me in my to-read-before-bed pile, and you know, I think I might like the manga better than the anime. It's been so long since I saw the anime. I am planning on getting those discotheque Blu-rays, though. Just can't pass that up. Um, but all of the humor in the manga is really working for me. Like, I'm still cracking up at, like, a single panel in the second volume where Oscar's like, me, a lesbian, how preposterous. <laughs> and to laugh at that in the meta context of, like, you know, Oscar, modern-day queer icon. Um, <laughs> That's funny. But yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, Ryoko Ikata also does just like a ton of fun paneling in the series. I mean, the outfits aren't always historically accurate, which is kind of funny since she didn't want people to cosplay it for years because she felt like they couldn't do the characters justice. And it's like, okay, Ikata, you say that, but I also see you putting Oscar over here in like some bell bottoms. So yeah. But yeah, that's definitely the one I'm glad is finally coming out this year and definitely looking forward to volumes four and five next year like come on udon don't pay us now also <laughs> please please get get those sugar sugar rune volumes like i don't know what's going on but please <laughs> if you look online for what's going on with those like the latest thing is literally justin over on the oasg asking in like winter 2019 them being like it's coming and i'm like oh no <laughs> for the most recent news <laughs> yeah this is especially this was especially a surprising manga release uh well, not one, because it took so long, because Ikega was so hesitant to release it in the U.S., but also because uh, it was announced, like, several, uh, like, a, a, as far as my understanding goes, a contract length years in between its announcement and its release, so they had to, like, re-up the contract. contracts are normally for seven years, and I think this was announced in 2015, so close... Yeah not that close. close. The like, series also went through three translators, one of whom was just completely uncredited. So. Oh my gosh. Uh, oh my gosh, it was announced in 2015. Now that I think about it. I think it was 2015, yeah. yeah it, it was a long time ago. I would believe 2015. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm really glad we have it. I love the anime. I like this manga a lot, too. I need to get back to reading it, as with uh, basically everything on, on the shelf, but um, we all know why, Corey. It's because you're reading Bleach instead. It's true. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this was this would be an honorable mention. And on the close, Gaina showed me last night because she is reading Volume Three right now. A picture of some character that was wearing like bell bottom pants and this very frilly looking, puffy frilly looking shirt that looked like it was straight out of a '70s movie or that '70s show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to this now. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, Rose of Versailles, number two. Uh, on to my number two, which is a uh, less out there choice. It is Wogokoi. Um, 
We just got the fourth or fourth volume, I believe, here. They are in omnibuses here, so they're they're taking a really long time to get to us now since we're caught up. But um, I just really, really enjoy reading these characters doing their thing, uh, being adult nerds, working together. Um, the uh, plight of the female league, Momose, is just highly enjoyable of someone who just can't get anything right and then there's her boyfriend Nifuji who is just sitting there right next to her playing games while she is finishing up her work and like that I mean that is bad because uh, the work ethic of Japanese people is problematic but uh, they should just go home and play their games at home but uh, then also Koyanagi and Kaburagi having their love-hate relationship but really it's more like a love-love relationship and they just argue all the time um but just seeing them back on the page and uh, being nerds, being together, being funny. It's just so, so enjoyable to see adult nerds and not teenage nerds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I've only read the first Omnibus for it. I need to see if my library has more. But I remember watching the anime, and I really liked that. I wish the anime got a physical release over here, but it still has, and it was one of those anime strike titles. But yeah, you're reminding me that I really should check out more of the manga, since that was also very sweet. Also, mm-hmm. I had the realization this year that uh, I was outed to my coworkers as a nurse in basically the same way that happens in this manga in the first <laughs> chapter. <laughs> like, I wasn't going to, like, tell my co- new coworkers at the time that I did nerds, but, like, a friend who also works at my same place, and we were classmates together, just sits down at the same lunch table, and she's like, so how, what'd you cosplay for Otakon? And I'm like, well, <laughs> that's out of the bag now. <laughs> so, yes, Vodakoi, it is, um, very accurate to life in some ways. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd forgotten about this one, and it, it uh, I, I feel like we've seen a few adult nerd stories, but th- this is one of the ones that sticks out. I've completely forgotten about this one. I guess that's what uh, the end of year is for. <laughs> to remember the things we missed. Yeah, I believe uh, we, let's see, we got the second volume, no, the third Omnibus in 2018, and then it took until 2020 for us to get the fourth one, just because they're Omnibus, so uh, it just took forever for two of them to come out, and then for it to be translated into into English. There was a pandemic in between, too, so that probably caused some complications. Uh, But anyway, number two, Wobikoi. Helen, what about you? Number two. Uh, in a very unexpected pick, since we haven't actually talked about this on the podcast, uh, my number two for the year is going to be Toilet Bound Hanokokun, which is one where if you went back a year in time, I'd be staring at you being like, why am I reading this? Because <laughs> Gen Press had been pushing it before the anime came out. They'd been putting it out digitally for a while. And I was like, this is a ghost that haunts a girl's bathroom. No. <laughs> but it turns out people were first episode of the anime, and I checked it out, and I was immediately like, oh, fuck, this is exactly my shit. Oh, God. So... <laughs> Since we haven't talked about this one on the podcast yet, a little bit of a summary. We have this cute high school girl named Nene Yoshiro, and she's got a crush on an upperclassman, but she isn't sure how to approach him. And so one of her friends, who is suspiciously well-informed about the ghost stories of their school, like, no one can quite figure out why, but she is. She's like, hey, if you go to this certain girl's bathroom and go Hanako-san, Hanako-san, Hanako-san three times at the last stall, Hanako-san will come out and help you. And normally in like Japanese urban legends, Hanako is like a girl wearing red, you know, with a bowl cut. So Nene goes over and does that. 
But it turns out their skull, Hanako, is a freaking boy <laughs> in, like, an old-fashioned boy's uniform. He shows up, you know, with the obligatory, why are you out in girls' bathroom? Why? And he's like, I've got advice, and just pulls out, like, all this regular relationship advice. So she's trying different things, like, let's give him a bouquet of things that you've grown. And he grows vegetables. She tries to give him a bouquet of vegetables. Doesn't go well. Just all these things leading up. Um, and she's complaining. She's like, you're, you have the supernatural powers. Why aren't you helping me do anything like that? And so she does find a supernatural solution, it seems, where she has like these mermaid scales. And if you and your crush both swallow one, they'll be bound together. And so she swallows one. Uh, her crush doesn't. And Nene turns into a fish. Because apparently what this meant was... Um, if two people are cursed, you know, they often form a very strong bond because of this, which tracks, I mean. Um, so Nene is able to form a contract of sorts of Hanako to get her out of this. She still turns into a fish. Like, she gets wet, she'll start growing fish scales. I don't think she showers anymore. I think she takes a bath as a fish every night in the bathroom. <laughs> wow. But now um, she's helping Hanako out as his assistant, since there are other... Um, urban legends around the school and things have been a little shifty lately it seems like someone is stirring up trouble so they're trying to delve into this uh the art is really fun um it's the the anime is also really fun but it's funny because the anime chose to like skip a couple of important arcs since when i was looking at the manga i was like oh if you want a continuation you're going to need to put these arcs back in those were kind of important <laughs> um but yeah i just really enjoyed the manga i totally ate it up and i was like god damn it God damn it, I can't believe I'm enjoying something with the word toilet in the title. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, have either of you guys read this or watched the anime? No, I have not. This was all new to me. <laughs> yeah, I've watched the anime. Um, I, I thought it was pretty enjoyable, but I, it's not really something that I like super gugging to. I, I am just so totally a sucker for like the supernatural stories. Like that is That kind of fantasy has always been my shit and will always continue to be my shit. So... <laughs> Please, uh, yeah. second season, please. <laughs> as, as I recall, it's uh, like the second half of that first season was much more enjoyable than the first half of the first season, but also maybe I dropped the anime? I don't remember. Corey, I feel like you should remember this part. Yeah. Do you remember when she accidentally gets taken away to the Fish Kingdom? Uh, Almost does. No. I okay, then you did not finish the anime then. I remember the twin. Yeah, yes, you remember the tragic backstories part, but if you don't yeah. remember the nearly marrying a fish prince then you did not finish the anime okay anyway number two to the bang and nanako kun um all right number one's rolling it out i mean uh that's not the phrase that i make to use um <laughs> getting to the end i don't know i don't know what i was gonna say i've now forgotten everything uh let's start with me um my number the one is also now one of my favorite manga of all time and it is blank canvas uh believe we did we do a revisit of this as well as the uh the initial talking of it i don't think that we yeah i don't think we've actually revisited anything yet we keep bringing up the idea but i don't think we've done it for anything yet all right um so we would have talked about it when there were like two or three volumes out i think mm -hmm. yeah it looks like we talked about it in january of 2020 at which point there were uh three volumes out um but this is the uh, the story of Akiko Higashimura and how she how she became a mangaka, um, as I mentioned in the podcast, is uh, extremely um, relatable to me, as I was also that very lazy college student that didn't really realize the uh, 
the value in what he was learning at the time in college. Like, if I could go back, I wish I was more um, studious and such, so I could learn more. But alas, we are young and stupid and deciding to uh, play games or party or whatever instead. Um, but it's not just that it was extremely relatable in the early going, it's that it became um, just this incredibly tender, heartbreaking, and loving love letter to her sensei, it seemed, by the end of the fourth and middle of the, or middle of the fifth volume, as he, as she found out that, uh, the art teacher that taught her literally everything about art, it seems, was passing away, and, like, the only thing that he wanted was for her to come home and be able to teach all of his students, at least to the point for them to take the art exam so they could enter college. Like, this dude so clearly cared so much about art, and she um, was always in the mindset of, well, I can just talk to him the next time I go home. I don't really need to answer the phone right now. Uh, I can just continue to do the work that I was doing, or... um, I don't need to go see them, or I don't need to go see him because I have this guilt about something else that I did terrible earlier on, and, like, depicting the, uh, regrets that we have in life was, uh, I'm sure relatable to everybody, because we all have those things where, like, we want to go back, and we want, we want to see these people that are gone, and we want to be able to do things differently, and, like, that, that was such a, uh, such a heartbreaking moment, but also, um, I, I think for her, maybe a very healing moment to be able to put that on the page and be like, I was I was wrong at this time and I wish I had done something else. But, um, this, I mean, I love Akiko Higashimura from Princess Jellyfish and Tokyo Taragaiba Girls, and those were very different series from this one uh, in terms of e- emotional punch, but, like, this one just really, really got me. I haven't read any more since we podcasted it. I'd like to read the fourth and fifth volumes, I just haven't yet. But I feel like I still just want to shake her and be like, why? Because I was not that kind of young and dumb, at least. It's yeah. just like, you know you were self-sabotaging yourself. Why? Mm. And it's like, I both admire you for admitting this, but I'm also not trying to want to actually know you personally as a friend because of this. Like that very complicated set of emotions you get from reading about a complicated person's life. Yeah. It's definitely going to stick with me for a while, though, just how brutally honest she was about being like, I slacked off <laughs> hard with all of this, you yeah. know? I, I imagine the manga is also her version of going back in time and shaking her previous self and being like, why? <laughs> it does feel like she's doing that to herself sometimes, especially when, oh, I remember there was a section, I think, in the third volume where she briefly mentions how she's going back to her old art school to talk about you know, being a successful mangaka, and she's mm-hmm. kind of like, I did nothing here to support myself. Like, <laughs> it's not Paul's fault, but I just, it was a terrible solution to be having me here. <laughs> well, now that's convinced me to get the rest of the volume. So I've only got one in print, and I wanted to get them all in print, and I haven't gotten them yet. But I may just have to finish that digitally to see what that all was about. Because I really did like the first volume, but obviously in the first volume, you have no idea where it's headed. So, yeah, I'm kind of convinced to pick up the rest. I'm sure Right Stuff is going to be having like some bonkers manga sales. Oh, that's right. After the that's holidays. right. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they already have a bonkers mm-hmm. manga sale going on on Blank Canvas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Corey, remember, we're trying not to overburn the postal service, so we're trying to hold off on like buying <laughs> things and shipping things until after Christmas when, right. when it starts right. to die down. Yeah, I didn't know that 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 this one um, affected you so much emotionally, Corey. I had like no idea. I knew you liked it, but I didn't know that it that it. Uh, 
affect you emotionally like that. I think we all have a series like that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this between this and Solon, these are two uh, really personal ones for me. I mean, I, I know we all have family members that we've known are gone, etc., etc., but reading her uh, depiction of this person who was basically a family member uh, is just incredibly affecting. And when you're reading that volume and when you finally get to the point where he had passed away and she, like, does not know what to do with herself because she hears the phone ring and she's like, that's, that's going to be about him and I don't want to answer it. But anyway... That was not sad at all. Uh, number one, <laughs> blank canvas. Um, Helen, bring us up. All right, so my number one should be very obvious to folks who've listened to our previous episodes. Uh, my number one favorite manga that I discovered this year is definitely Magus of the Library. As I was reading it, I just found myself in awe. I'm like, same manga, exactly for me. In every sense <laughs> of the word, this is amazing. Like, not only is it about librarians and it's got really great art but you have like characters in a bookstore debating you know the values of having both libraries and bookstores serving a community and how they serve different but related audiences and i'm like holy shit this person gets it like (laughs) (laughs) so i've read the first three volumes that's all that's out right now fourth volume was supposed to come out in december but it's gotten moved to late january sadness uh but i've just really enjoyed this series and it's really in-depth fantasy world-building with a past conflict that seems to be bubbling to life once again. You've got characters of all these different backgrounds trying to make things work, um, but other folks are kind of worried, oh, we might not have the unity we need for coming crisis because everybody's become more um, compartmentalized, statized, insular, groupish. Just choose one of those words. Hopefully you figured out what I meant <laughs> at this point. You know? But it's just um, the art looks fantastic. Like, I am sure the mangaka is probably using, like, some Clip Studio paintbrushes or something to draw his libraries, but they're doing it well, however they're doing it. Uh, the third volume has introduced the idea of dragon librarians, which is fucking awesome. So I am just totally in love with the series. I've been reading it digitally just since that's how Kodansha has been giving us our review copies, but I definitely want to pick it up in print at some point and shove it onto my lovingly overcrowded manga shelves, my own little personal library of manga. Yeah, just... God damn, I love that series so much. Just so, so much. The whole Bleach episode is getting representation in this in this episode. <laughs> Wait, we didn't talk about both of those at the same time, did we? I think it was. For some reason, I thought we did Burn the Witch and Bleach at the same time. No, we didn't. Those I were... Think, oh, right, yeah, because we thought Burn the Witch was complete, but it wasn't. Yeah, but those were uh, consecutive podcasts. They were. Yeah, I really, I really, really like this one a whole lot. Yeah, Lucky Dog 2. I'm looking forward to reading more as I only read the first volume, but I have uh, requested it from our comic shop so I can read uh, the second, third, and however many more there are after it. (laughs) Yeah, with this, I think we're caught up with Japan, so it's just going to be however often it gets released. I can't imagine it's a weekly series. It's probably a monthly series, so volumes will probably be slow coming out, but oh well, in this podcast, we support manga artists working at a sustainable pace. (laughs) (laughs) We do. All right, so number one, Makes of the Library. April closes out. What is your final manga on the list? With the exact same thing. That was yeah. my number one as well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's why I kind of waited a little bit. I'm like, oh, shoot. <laughs> well, that's funny since I've been like sitting on this since March being like, this is going to be one of my favorites of the year. But you must have just read it for the podcast. 
I read it. I I grabbed it just by chance because I associated it for some re- weird reason with the the witch's printing office, and then I was like, oh, there's another book about like a library or books or something. I'll just get. I got it like in a random write stuff sale, and it's one of the few series that I print series that I bought this year, and uh. It, especially now, I really miss libraries, bookstores. That's that was like a hobby of mine, just to go. And Magus of the Library kind of fills that void a little bit. It feels like a like a just an adventure about books or an adventure about libraries. I like it just kind of an escape for me in a year where I can't go to those places, etc. I just I really really love this one. There were a lot of other series that I liked, but when I thought about a series that sort of brought me some joy this year or let me escape for a little bit it was definitely this one yeah definitely like this one and also last year's uh top manga for most of us which i can tell you like it brings yeah. forth a love for books for writing for uh those kinds of mediums to the the manga page that just like blast you in the face with that kind of love and <laughs> i i really like those kinds of things because like obviously all of us on this podcast love books um so reading about other people who love books is just uh, always going to be a thrill yeah theo and coco would be such good friends they would just be like both nerding out respectively over their art and like writing based magic systems and they they would be good friends i can tell yeah and the series does remind me of witch hat in some ways it yeah april's right like that earnest love for libraries reminds me a lot of the tone in witch hat which is also still good I didn't put it on my list this year because I talked about it last year, but definitely still good. In fact, when Corey was showing us like our list of like past picks so that we could all remember, I think I was looking at all my past choices being like, yeah, I still stand by all of these. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. uh, Alright, well, that's all of our lists. Uh, what about um, things that just missed your list? Do you have anything? Do you all have anything that uh, you wanted to quickly mention or longly mention? I had a couple. I liked... I have read a couple volumes of I think it's a perfect world about the couple where the the boyfriend is in a wheelchair. I really enjoyed that series for its depiction of disability. I don't see that a lot, but I could relate to some of that. So I've really enjoyed that series and that like barely missed the list. Um, and then the other one is ah, I can't think of it off the top of my head. It is the seven little sons of the dragon that first story about the about the two people where they trade the salt back and forth i have not been able to forget that story all year like i was just thinking about it like yesterday morning like i really like that story and i kind of i i wonder what happened to those people and i feel like a story like that where you like wonder about the characters afterward is, is worth a mention so yeah, those are perfect, my two yeah perfect world is on my to read list since i know justin's been a really big fan of it and i just haven't gotten around to it yet and like I just said, like, I still support a lot of my choices from past year's list, like Witch Hat, Delicious in Dungeon continues to be a lot of fun that I'm still enjoying. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, th- there was a lot of good manga this year. Like, there was also a lot of bad manga. <laughs> uh, one that really surprised me is um, My Dress Up Darling. It's from Square Enix's relatively new manga imprint. And this one is shrink wrap for a reason. It's pretty etchy. But it's also just this really sweet love story between two high schoolers one really wants to cosplay but she tries selling her first outfit and it's a first outfit it doesn't turn out well and he's um like um the grandson of a traditional doll maker and so he's always grown up loving like the little 
creative aspects you put into making these dolls and like the really specific sewing techniques but he's been afraid to open up to people about that but with her he can be very open about his passion and he's able to help make her um, sew things and do wigs and everything um and so it's it's definitely edgy like it doesn't help that her first cosplay she wants to do is from like definitely like an r-rated visual novel like girl you were under 18 you shouldn't be buying these. You most certainly should not be pl- cosplaying from hentai games if you're under 18. Like, come on. And it's such a sweet friendship between the two of them. And all of the, like, cosplay construction details are spot on. So that's been a really big surprise for me this year. But I wasn't sure it quite cracked my list. So it's going to stay in honorable mentions. Yeah, I, I'm also looking forward to reading Perfect World. That's probably something that we should talk about on the podcast as well. Um, Ooh, it could motivate us to actually read it. Yeah, I've not, <laughs> not gotten around to it. Uh, but we do have the first volume, I believe. Um, some other things that I really liked this year as I scroll through <laughs> the podcast archives. Uh, Heaven's Design Team was super hilarious, oh, yeah. and I, w- I want to read more of that. Um, and the anime's coming this winter, I think. Oh, nice. Or maybe, I think it's it's definitely next year. I think it's this winter. All right. I'm looking forward to it. Especially, you know, it's always one of the best feelings when you read a manga. And then the anime comes out, and people realize you were right all along. It was great. <laughs> like, I've definitely seen people have that reaction to Sleepy Princess and the Demon Castle, since that manga is really great, and now people are discovering it from the anime. So I'm looking forward to people having that same reaction to Heaven's Design Team. Yeah, yeah I, I think they'll be a really beloved one once the anime comes out, especially because I, I think the animations will really go a long, uh, a long way with depicting these. Uh, for one, like the fantasy animals, but for two, especially like the real world animal reveals when they're saying stuff like everything they described about a koala. I forgot the, the lead up to that, but it was super hilarious. I forget the exact details about the koala, but I think it involves the baby eating the mom's poop because koalas yep. are really weird. Yeah, we forget they're Australian, so of course they're weird. But just I think it was yeah. something like create a weird, cute animal or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but I also just read the second volume of Love Me for Who I Am, and I actually am really enjoying that series. I was surprised by how much. Uh... I told y'all. I told y'all. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what what came to mind when I was reading the second volume is like they are not talking down to us as they often are in something like My Brother's Husband, which we also talked about, but they are rather talking to us, having a conversation with us about these kinds of feelings, and letting us grow into them. And I really enjoy about that about the series. Um, I'm, I am surprised uh, of how much I like that series. Uh, and the second volume just has like a one of the characters on the front of it just absolutely bawling. And uh, the back of the volume explains why, and I guess it's just the author's whim. They wanted <laughs> to have this character crying on the, on the cover. Yeah, I know that series... It seems like people either really like it or really dislike it. I think part of it is you see this a lot with queer stories that if people feel like a story isn't perfectly encapsulating their own experience, that they're less likely to think Mm. it's good. Sort of like like if a cis straight author writes a gay character, you kind of give them a pass. But if a gay man writes a gay character, then you're just all over them for not getting every detail right. So I think that's part of the reason why this one has had such lively discussions on parts of the internet. But I've also seen some other people say, look, even though it's not perfect, this is kind of like the non-threatening approach to a non-binary main character that we kind of need in fiction. We don't need this character to be everything for everyone, but we kind of need a story where people can start 
getting used to the idea of non-binariness as it was. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, that is still like one would have hoped we would have moved on from that point in society by now. But yeah, I can definitely see this one being kind of a gateway for especially like younger manga readers who are reading something and going, oh, there are some words here that are connecting with me that I hadn't considered before. So I'm really glad this one's coming out. Yeah, especially as the main character, like in the second volume, we find out that the main character has feelings for that non-binary character, um, and that they kind of still see uh, him as a him, or them as a him, I'm, excuse me. And uh, so they're, they're like just kind of having a conversation about this, him and his older sister, and it's like, oh, I guess it doesn't matter that uh, whether I like a girl or a boy or whoever, like, if I like them, I like them. And that's having those conversations is just very nice, very pleasant. And Tetsu realizing, oh, and I've kind of not been treating my older sister right for all these years. Yeah. Since he starts out the series still saying my older brother, and then he realizes, wait, I thought I was being supportive, but no, I wasn't. And thank you, older sister, for being so patient with me for all these years. You honestly didn't have to. <laughs> yeah. It definitely seems like this is one of the ones where the cast is just going to get queerer by the volume, which is just how exactly my own life went. You know, you start out with a group of friends, and then like five years later, it's like, the streets are in the minority. <laughs> yeah. For sure, yeah. <laughs> and that's also a dynamic we don't see terribly often in manga, that I think all of us can agree that in when you're queer, you tend to have a lot of, like, gay friends, etc. Unlike TV, where it's, like, that one gay character in the group of straight friends. And yet, I don't see that dynamic a lot in manga, even though it's, like, true for every single person I know. So it's nice to see that this story is really centered around this cafe where a vast majority of the characters are on the LGBT rainbow somewhere. Mm-hmm. And even, like, the one guy who isn't the one who just likes sewing cosplay, he seems to be a good ally. Yeah. Especially the... Uh well, not especially, but like also with the uh, the non-binary character's friend, who has a bunch of complicated feelings about these kinds of things, and I I like the depiction of that character too because these people are trying to be supportive and helpful, and they're doing it in their own way, and then they realize once they see someone being much more supportive and helpful in the right ways that they're they were going about it the wrong way, and like while their heart was in the right place, their actions were not. Yeah, this is the female um, childhood friend, right, yes. you're thinking of? Yeah. yeah, I remember some people not liking her at first, and I was like, I understand. I do want to say, like, it gets better, this is with a purpose. Mm-hmm. Which, on the one hand, you don't want to have to say that to people. You don't want to have to tell them, oh, this character's going to get better, and then you'll like them. But for her, it's very much a deliberate character arc of, we're starting out of her in this one place in her life, and she is going to go through some mental changes. Yeah. And, like, these... Everyone, all of these characters contain multitudes. People contain multitudes, so I'm, I'm glad that they're being depicted as such. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyway, um, let's close out this episode. Uh, where can we find everybody on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Montiorin. I survived. Well, I've got two weeks, but I was going to say I've survived till the end of 2020. So, and I get to talk about manga with you all. So, I'm still there. <laughs> <laughs> And we always enjoy talking about manga with you every time. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Wandering Dreamer. You can find the website I write for at the OASG on Twitter, doing manga reviews once or twice a week with some light novel reviews right now. I, as usual, have a giant list, a giant stack, actually, of things to review that is staring down at me. And I'm going to hopefully <laughs> crank out some more of those once I'm off um, for the holidays. And you can also find me on the podcast over there where we've been 
uh, I think our next podcast episode is probably going to have to start rounding up the fall season and then the end of year and then starting the winter. And it's just one of those episodes where we're, we're probably going to talk for entirely too long. <laughs> and I apologize for whatever audio issues I've been having on these past two podcasts. I don't know what's going on. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> Sorry. Right. I know there are like some weird buzzing noises coming from me, and I can figure out why. Uh, all right, you can find me on Twitter at impassionate You can find this podcast on Twitter at Mongang Your Ears. You can find all of our episodes over at TaikuPodcast.com. That is T A I I K U. And thank you both for coming on uh, this entire podcast for these last, I guess, three, three and a half years that we've been doing this. Uh, it is always a pleasure, um, and happy holidays. To everyone else, happy new year. We will see you in 2021. Bye, y'all. Bye, everybody.